Kenny Wilson's going to come and share. And, you know, I um, asked Joe, you know, my heart has been, you know, me, me up a couple weeks and then just try to get some other people up um, inside and outside the church. So, so the body ministers to the body. We all have different gifts and different things along those lines. And so I asked Joe because I always feel like Joe's tells pretty good stories, um, and he does a pretty good job with the Word, too. Um, that's a joke. Uh, but um, he said, you know, I, w- I want to um, see if this guy I know, Kenny, uh, one of the guys that's with the Three Strands Bible Study, would be willing to come in, and I think he can give a perspective to us as a church. And I said, sure. And so um, Michael and Joe and I, Michael and I came and met you a little over a week ago, and um, I don't think we talked too much. Um, you shared your heart. I asked you the question, tell me your heart. And Probably for the next 50 minutes, you shared your heart. And so I'm excited this morning because deep, deep heart, just in the Lord, a deep heart for um, just people, the love of God, and so forth. And, and you, know, you can pick it up very quickly, I think. And so I'm excited this morning that he's here, and uh, no pressure at all. So come and just have fun and um, do whatever you want. you want. You can sing and dance. You can extend what she's done if you want. Um, you can tell jokes or whatever. But uh, welcome, Kenny. Come on up, Kenny. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Um, <clears throat> so I told uh, my wife that, and um, I believe that, you know, the enemy does come to steal and to kill and destroy, right? Um, at the same time, if he can't, you know, if he can't stop you, he'll try to hinder you, right? And um, it's funny, I've been totally um, healthy for probably the past, goodness, uh, however long, and then, like, Monday, Tuesday, I got hit with the stomach bug, and then the, I was cur- literally curled up in a corner uh, in a room for about two or three days straight. I'm not kidding. You can ask my wife. Um, I, was, I lost, I think, five pounds in two days. Um, it was rough. I was like, good Lord, what, is, what, what are these people doing over here? He's like, I'm like, clearly there's something going on, you know, in this place I'm headed to because there's some opposition. I don't believe, like, like Pastor Steve said, that, you know, it's just a season. Um, I don't really believe stuff like that, not, not too often. Sure, you can catch a germ or something like that, but um, I finally got over that, got past a little contagious stage, and then I went to stand up, and then here come the allergies. I mean, boom, I haven't had any kind of, you know, nasal nothing like since, since maybe like last September, last October. So I was like, okay, I said, I see what you're doing here. You're, uh, you're trying to put a, little, put a little stumbling block in here, but that's not happening. So we are, we're here this morning, and um, I'm excited about it. I feel great. Uh, thank God. And um, I want to open up for prayer, and then I'll acknowledge a few people, and we'll get started. Is that okay? Fantastic. God, we thank you, God, for waking us up this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. Thank you for ministering to our hearts. Thank, for, thank you, God, for, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, down the cross for us. Lord, you said that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, and that is us, Lord. Father, as much as we would like to think highly of ourselves, God, that when we get down to the, the soul of it, God, we know that we are nothing without you, Lord. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity to come and meet new brothers and sisters, God. Um, they might not be familiar faces, but they're familiar spirits, Lord. And we thank you, God, that today um, we're just going to have a conversation, even though I'll be doing most of the talking. And um, I'm excited, God, to be your mouthpiece this morning, because that means that you uh, have not only trusted me, Lord, but you've also trusted your people to hear um, and to act on and to respond to uh, what I believe it is, God, that you've put on my heart, God. So we thank you, Father, for that, God. And while we do that, God, we just call down any kind of distractions, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. 
We call out any, any, any kind of bitterness, Father, any unforgiveness, God, any spirits of anger, Father, deceit, any deception, Father, anything, God, that would clog our mind, God, and, and try to hold our heart back, Father, from receiving what it is that you have to say, Lord. We call those things out, Father, and we cast them out of this place, God, believing, God, the blood of Jesus Christ is enough for everything because it is. And the Holy Spirit rests in this place, God, in this international, God, this international space here, God. We thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hopefully you don't mind if I get a little comfortable. I'm going to do it anyway. That was just me asking first. Um, wanted to say thank you for, uh, for having me this morning. Um, thanks for trusting me to be up here and to, to share a few things with you. Um, I want to acknowledge my lovely wife up here in the front, um, Mrs. Norma J. Wilson. I got my family in the back, uh, friends from church um, and friends from um, I guess friends from Three Strands, rather, and friends from uh, my job as well. Uh, so thank you, Pastor Steve, for, for trusting me to come up here and for coming to meet. Um, of course, I call him LT, but uh, y'all know him as Joe, probably. Um, he set me up. He said, hey, Kenny, I got a question for you. I said, sure, LT, what you got? And he was like, hey, are you busy right now? I was like, oh, boy. Usually you're busy right now means something's coming down the pipeline. Sure enough, it's like, hey, man, what are you doing on this date? I was like, I'm not sure. This is like some time out. He's like, well, and here we are. So, but um, I'll, I'll start with this. Um, we have a very special relationship, whether you know it or not, LT. And that's because um, in the heat, in the moments of all of the, the Ferguson, um, you know, the Ferguson incident, um, before all the this matters and that matters and all the different, you know, categories of, um, of uh, opinion, if you will, came out. I remember I was sitting upstairs uh, in our police department. I was just eating my lunch. I was sitting by myself. But there had been so many things that had been weighing on my heart. You know, how do I um, stand here and walk this line of being a believer, an officer, and a black male at the same time? I was like, Lord, how do, I, how do I navigate all three things simultaneously, you know? And that was a challenge uh, for me. And while I was sitting there, um, LT walked up. And I didn't really know him that well at that point in time. And um, he walked up and he said, Kenny, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he said, um, it's kind of a personal question. I was like, it's no problem. And he asked me, he's the only person, I mean the only person, that, that bothered to ask me this question. And he said, as a black officer, how is it for you right now? The only person that asked me that question. It weighed on my heart every single day I came to work. I'm sitting here trying to figure out, God, how do I, how do I talk to my friends that, that might not understand why communities might be as angry as they are, but how do I also talk to this community that might not understand, you know, why police feel like they're, you know, being pushed back or, or ostracized or, or pushed aside. And, you know, I was trying to figure out where do I go? What do I do? Right. And he's the only person that bothered to ask me that question. And on one end, I said, well, thank you, Lord. On the other end, I said, well, that's sad. He's the only person that bothered to ask me that question. Not even, not even other minorities within the department asked me that question. No conversations about it, nothing, as if nothing was happening. Just breeze right over it, right? And it's not to talk bad about, you know, our department or anything like that, but that's inside and outside the church. The only person that asked me that question. And I said, okay, 
So we had a conversation about it and we talked and I, I shared with him basically the same thing. I just told you that I was having a little bit of a challenging time trying to figure out how do I balance all these things? What do I do here? You know, and um, God gave me a couple answers. And that's actually um, that's actually what I'm going to share with you today. Not so much the how to, the what to say when or the how to respond to this and that. But I'm going to give you what God gave me when I asked him that very, very difficult question. Right. And everything goes back. So I'm hoping you're, you're not you know, waiting for some spectacular you know, formula. Everything goes back to my core and my core is, is him. My core is in the word. Right. Because if you divert from that, if you think you got the answer, you think you're going to figure it out on your own because you have your Ph.D. and your ABC and your XYZ, then you will find yourself in a very challenging place really fast. and You will get swallowed up whole, won't even chew you, swallow you up whole. Right. So I guess for all intents and purposes, the title, if you will, is don't be quiet, be calculated. So don't be quiet, be calculated. One of the things that, like I said, people were doing it, a lot of people that were just being quiet. And then you have the polar opposite where you have folks that were just lashing out and responding. Well, if they just this or if they just that and who and you were just pointing fingers here and there. And I said, that's really, really interesting to me. Because my thought process, and God works with me through, through images a lot of the times, and the image that he gave me was you have two groups with earmuffs on telling the other group, take your earmuffs off. I can't hear you. What are you saying? You know, oh, well, I, I matter more, and no, this matters more, but that matters more. I can't hear you. As a matter of fact, I'm not even listening to you. I'm just screaming about what I feel is going on right now. And here's the issue. That's not to say that what they feel isn't valid. That's not to cut out their emotions. It's not to cut out the reality that something may have happened that triggered a certain response. It's just saying that sometimes you have to take your earmuffs off to hear what somebody else has to say, even when you don't want to hear it sometimes. And it's really funny to me that in the church, we can go right you know, back and forth and we can talk a, a good game uh, about how we love Jesus and we love people and we do this, but let something hit that button. And I don't care how saved and sanctified and Holy Ghost filled you think you are. All of a sudden, something happens, right? Anybody ever had that happen to you before? You see something, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait. Whoa, what was that? You know, something catches you off guard. And how many of you understand that the enemy, right, which is the devil in himself, he's not, he's not dumb, okay? He knows what little strings to pull. So if you like strawberries, he's not going to bring oranges to you. All right? If you like chocolate, he's not going to give you vanilla. He'll say, okay, let's, I'll try this. Oh, no, that didn't get him. I'll try this. Wait a minute, I got a response. Leave you alone for a little bit. Go away. You think, oh, well, that hit me the wrong way for a second, but I'm good. I breezed through this thing. And he comes back, and then boom, it hits you again. He leaves you alone for a little bit. You think you're good. I've recovered. All right, Lord, I've repented. I'm sorry it was something to me. And then boom, boom, boom. And next thing you know, pow, and then now you're down. God, where am I? What just happened? Right? So we're going to jump into um, the book of Matthew. And um, I've got a couple of versions up here. So I'll probably do a little bit of the reading for you. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 38 through 48. And I'll read it for you. <clears throat> it says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's the amplified version. Punishment that fits the offense. 
But I say to you, do not resist an evil person who insults you or violates your rights. Here we go. And feel free to respond. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other toward him also. Simply ignore insignificant insults or trivial losses and do not bother to retaliate. Maintain your dignity, your self-respect, and your poise. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also, for the Lord repays the offender. And whoever forces you to go on one mile, give him two. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, your fellow man, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love, that is, unselfishly seeks the best or higher good for your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. That's a hard one. So that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on those who are evil and those who are good, and makes the rain fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright, and the unrighteous, the unrepentant, those who oppose him. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessings and peace, what more than others are you doing? Do you, even the, do you not know that even the Gentiles who do not know the Lord do that? You, therefore, will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that was a lot, but there's something I want to kick out of here. Technically, I could just drop the microphone. We could walk off right now with those two, but I won't. This is something interesting that, that I found right here, and it says, you know, love your neighbor, right? And 45 says, so that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. That's an interesting one. How often is it that we just want to jump out and respond when something triggers that button, right? I'll never forget uh, the time, and I know we have kids in the room, so I'll, I'll use abbreviations so you can understand. Um, I responded to a domestic call, and I got there, and it was me and another very uh, colorful individual who I love him, uh, Raymond Brooks, for the officers in the back. Um, Brooks is another, he's, a, he's another a black officer, too. He's hilarious. Um, but we got to, the, got to the place, and it was actually really serious. Um, and we knocked on the door. When we opened the door, it was just like a television scene. This woman came to the door. She had bruises all over his face, a big knot, a knot on her head, and she was screaming, and she was saying, help me, help me. And I was like, all right, here we go. You know, this is, and I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm excited. No, I don't like going into stuff like that, but I will. There's a call that, that I believe God, God put on me to be a police officer, right? So I go in, and I'm willing to put myself in those places. We all are, those of us officers in here, you know, for the good of those around us. So I went into that place, and as soon as I said, ma'am, you know, come out, get to my squad car, stay there, and we'll be back in just a minute. And we got, I can hear this guy screaming in there, and he's yelling. And I turned the corner, and I didn't know what was in there. So, of course, I mean, I didn't have a pepper spray out. You know, it was, we were about to see what was going on because she's got a knot on her head, and she's screaming, you know, he hit me, and he beat me, and he this and that. And I turned the corner, and as soon as I peel around the corner, here's a guy standing in the corner. He's got a golf club, and he's standing there, white guy about that big, and he is going off. I mean, completely off. Never seen this man a day in my life. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth, what do you think it was? Oh, you beep, N-word. Get out of my house. He said, you monkey this, that, and the other, and just kept on rolling. 
right? And there was another white officer that came in. It ended up being three of us that went in. And he said, oh, I could hear it. In the midst of all the commotion, in the midst of everything that was happening, <laughs> he stopped. You know, we have an active threat in front of us. And he was like, wait a minute, time out. <laughs> you know, we can fight. We can do other things. But oh. so I was like, are you okay? You know? <laughs> I was like, you might need to go back outside for a second. So I turned the corner, he took that big, that big deep breath, and that guy, he, he went off, and he went off on this big racial tangent and started calling, you know, me and the other officer, every other name in the book he could think of that was racially motivated. And that was when I, I understood. It wasn't the first time somebody called me that before. But let me tell you something. If you don't have a grip on yourself, if you don't have, and I'm going I'm to go ahead and be honest with you, if you don't have a, a Christ-centered grip on you, in the midst of a heated situation like that. Now, I'll break down the elements for you real fast, okay? If you have a golf club, right, and I have some pepper spray, who do you think is going to win that fight? The person with the golf club is. If you catch me and I go down, now you have access to everything on me, right? You have access to my keys. You have access to my car. You have access to everything. So in that moment, that was a lethal threat situation. It's got, I know he just beat his girlfriend. I know that. I can see it. He's standing there with this golf club telling me, bring it on. Inside, I said, no problem. <laughs> you know, I'll put this up. I don't need this. Let's go. You know, <laughs> I was like, buddy, so you messed with the wrong one. You know, but I, I brought that in. I mean, the moment he said it, I said, got it. Thank you, Lord. I didn't go inward. I went up. And that's what I'm talking about right now, folks. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's been going on. And that's not just for black people, white, Hispanic, Asian, Hispanic, you know, any, anywhere else, right? There's stuff going on everywhere, particularly in this country. And my pastor, we go to the, the church on 68, used to be called C3, it's the church on 68. My pastor is Whitman Tolan. He actually preached a message very similar to this last week. And he, so I'm using a little bit of his example. He said, you have to go up in situations like that. And that's not to sound all churchy, if you will, and push aside the fact that something serious is happening, but it's a reality. Because if you go inside instead of up, you'll respond like I initially wanted to, which was no big deal, let's go, right? Bring it on, beep, 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 beep. This is Morse code, you know, he's just, he's going along. I was like, okay. And I ended up putting him down in the bed softly, true story. And uh, ironically, he had a bologna sandwich. I don't know why the guy was eating a little bologna But he had a bologna sandwich there. And he kept just mouthing off, mouthing off. So I just kind of pushed his head over towards the bologna. I said, just eat your sandwich, sir. You'll be good. Just, just sit there and chew on your sandwich for a little bit. Just let's just be quiet. And he, uh, he, man, get off me, man. I'm about to have a stroke. I'm about to. And he was having a fit. And he got outside, and he calmed down, and we got him all, you know, under control. Um, but I remember that when that happened. And I remember having to consult you know, the Holy Spirit within me at that moment immediately, in the midst multitasking immediately, right? Not one of those, okay, well, I'll just deal with this and I'll ask you for forgiveness later, Lord. No, it was, it was right away. Because if I don't talk to you right now, God, I'm going to respond to this man and something's going to happen to him and he didn't want what's coming, right? So that's why I'm talking about Matthew. And so I said, don't be quiet, be what? Calculate. Come on now, we, y'all, we're not mutes anymore. We can talk. So don't be quiet, be calculated, all right? So the word calculated means intend an action to have a particular effect, okay? 
or a calculated means to intend an action to have a particular effect. Now, we're talking about race, and it was interesting that Pastor Stephen was uh, talking about how he doesn't really have television and stuff like that. Then he turned on CNN, and the first thing he saw, he said, what? Blood started boiling, right? Something started happening on the inside. And what did he say? He said he had to go do what? He had to go pray, right? That doesn't mean you have to stop and go way over here and drop down and get in the closet somewhere. But sometimes you have to just take a, a quick moment like I did in that second. I turned the corner. He said, beep, beep. I said, Lord, you got me? He said, go ahead. I was like, all right, we can good. And I went from there. I had to acknowledge. I had to go up immediately, right? It's the same thing that he did because he knew that something was, something was pulling on the inside. And chances are, if he sat there and watched it too long, you probably would have found yourself in a bad spot, right? Now you're feeling bitter. You're feeling angry. You're feeling hateful, you know, all these different things. So I was thinking about the word race, and he told me to challenge you all, so I hope you got your seatbelts on because here we go. When I think about the word race, and this is just me. This is not Bible. This is just me. I was like, okay, um, take it or eat it, you know, you take it or leave it, rather. Eat the fish about the bones. When I, think of, uh, when I think of the word race, you all, I see division. I really do. I don't see race as being something that's meant truly, truly, truly to identify people, you know, so we can, oh, we can, you know, categorize and celebrate. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. I don't see that at all. When I think of race, right, I see division. When I think of ethnicity, culture, Something different happens on the inside, right? If I say the word culture to you, what comes to mind? The way that your environment or people around you have influenced your perception. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. I like it. Thank you. What about ethnicity? Good. Right. What about race? Come on. Okay. And that's fair enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I told you, I'm gonna step, we're going to step on your toes. So just go ahead and get, your, get the Band-Aids ready. I'll be at the door passing them out in just a little bit, okay? What would you say? Black and white. But aren't there other races, you all? Are we sure about that? But isn't it interesting when we think about the word race, what's the first, what are the first two ones that come up? Black and white. Isn't it interesting, you all? And this is totally just me. And I'm going to go back in there just a second. I'm not getting too far out. But I'm tying in somewhere, so hang with me. Can you trust me for just a second? Trust me for just a second. Isn't it interesting that when we're looking at race, right, the most common ones, black, white, Hispanic, right, American, Indian, Native American, and Asian, right? Those are typically the, the most common, I guess, uh, the categories of race, if you will. Why is it that only two are designated by color and the rest of them are, are designated more so by geographical location, where they come from, right? Isn't that interesting, the language they might speak? But yet and still, oh, race is about 
categorizing people. And we're, you know, putting folks in so we can understand. You're not trying to understand anything at all. Race is about division, folks. It really, really is. So when you look at issues of racism, racism isn't even just a matter of, I guess, social issues. It's a matter of the heart. And that's what I'm talking about. It's, you're talking about hatred in your heart for someone, absent their color. For whatever reason, you feel that this person or that person does not meet up to your expectations of who they should be as a human being as if you're God and you're not. You didn't create a person here. Even the ones that we, God allows us ladies to, to birth, right, and to conceive, even that's still a miracle from him. I, I could spend 72,000 hours talking about just the, the miracle of life in itself, but you understand what I'm saying? So I think of the word race. A lot of people just toss it out there like it's just some given thing, and it's never been that way for me. I was like, hmm, there's something about that. Like I said, it bothers me. Now, you'd probably say to yourself, well, how we categorize ourselves if there wasn't something called race. Well, why do you really have to? We're talking about loving people, right? We're talking about, oh, well, you know, we got to understand that, you know, uh, certain people might be here and certain people might be there. I can describe him without calling him a white man. I can do it. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just trying to get you to think. That's all. Is that fair? That's all. Eat the fish, spit out the bones. I'll throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. So, and just kind of piggybacking on this, a lot of people have tried to say that race in and of itself, the definition is a biological thing, right? And not tooting a horn or anything, but I went to North Carolina A&T State University for my undergrad all day. I, would, I have a microphone, so you understand what I'm trying to do, right? Now, don't hate me. I also went to Duke University for my master's. <laughs> Because I heard somebody went to Chapel. My wife went to Chapel Hill, so you guys will be okay. Just you can get over it. You can get over it. See, look at y'all. Trigger, trigger, right there. What I was telling you about. <laughs> Repent. But um, I say, hey, you said blue devils are only only sanctified devils in heaven. But um, <laughs> you can hold them to it. But what what I was saying to myself was, a lot of the issues that we have, we say they're race oriented and they're really heart oriented. They really, really are. We can say all day long that, you know, it's this person, that person. But what is it about that person that really, really bothers you? And I know that it might not be you, but you understand what I mean by the word you. When I say when you go out into society, a lot of people are just, are, they're so quick to say, well, look at what, what they do. They. Okay, let me peel this thing back, all right, and show you what's on the inside. Now, like my sister said here, where you come from, right, your upbringing, some of the challenges you might have had, some of the privileges you might have had, those can definitely dictate maybe how you respond to certain things. But when it all gets down to brass tacks, folks, you peel this back. I look the same as her. I look the same as him. I look the same as him. And that's the truth of it all. And we get so caught up in social media. We get so caught up in television. We get so caught up in, in society and in our ways of thinking that we forget that, Lord, this is a spiritual issue of the heart. It is not just a matter of how someone looks. It's bigger. It's bigger fish to fry. Now, that does not mean don't pay attention to equality issues in certain communities. I'm not saying be quiet. I'm saying be calculated. We're going somewhere. Hang in here with me. You okay so far? All right. 
in that same token, this is a guy that I was looking up. I, I went through a couple different resources to kind of see, and we're just talking about race to him. I'm going to go ahead and kick off that in just a second. But there's a, a doctor. His name is Dr. Savante Pablo, and he's a biologist and the director of the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in Germany. It's a big title that means you're just super smart, right? And you study people. Um, and this is what he had to say about race. He said, what the study of complete genomes from different parts of the world has shown is that even between Africa and Europe, for example, there is not a single absolute genetic difference meaning no single variant where all Africans have one variant and all Europeans have another. Isn't that interesting? And yet and still, you belong here, you belong here, you belong here, you belong here. If you look at somebody else and you say to yourself, I don't like you because you're not like me, it's an issue of your heart. It's not just an issue of how they look. And I understood that when I went into that call. Like I said, I turned the corner and I looked at this guy and the first thing he said was beep, 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 beep. And I said, all right, my spotty senses went up. Lord, you got me? Go ahead. Good. There's an issue of this man's heart. And here's the, here's the kicker. Here's where it gets really, really difficult. Here's where it gets challenging, folks. It wasn't my place to judge him. Right? That's the hard part. I said, Lord, I don't know anything about this man. This is a conversation I'm having while I'm still having him eat his bologna sandwich. I am saying, I don't know anything about this man. I know nothing about him whatsoever. What I do know is that right now he is struggling with an issue in his heart. So let me not jump on the bandwagon of my feelings and say, well, you, this, you hate me. Well, I hate you. Matthew, what we just talk about, right? It's easy to love someone that loves you, folks. It's easy to shake the hand of someone that extends the same hand. But when they extend that hand, it balls up into a fist. Oh, everything changes all of a sudden. I'm not saying take a little step back, regain your composure, you know. But what I am saying is you got to pay attention to what's going on in here and not just what's going on up here. You following me? We okay so far? All right. So, like I said, y'all, racism, when I look at it, not saying it's true or false, just saying my opinion of it, it's more so an issue of the heart. And if we know anything about Jesus, it's that when he looked at issues of the heart, particularly hate, he conquered it with what? Love. Oh, love is unselfish. Love is unwavering. Love does not judge. Good Lord, love is a monster. <laughs> it is. It's necessary. Love is not what you see on MTV and television. Now, I love her. I love him. No, no, no. That's not the love he's talking about. He's talking about that kind of love, right? That you're willing to pour out everything, <laughs> not giving up all your resources and this and that, you know, just because there's somebody you have a little fancy for. I'm talking about giving of yourself, of your being. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you, but you hate me, but it's not my place to judge you. He told me I have to love you. Why? Because he loved me first. And that's where we get stuck a lot of the times. We feel that, oh, just because something happened to me, now I have the right. Now I've been empowered to respond to this thing. And now that because something bad happened to me, something that I didn't like happened to me, now I can do whatever I want to to this person over here. Not so. Not so. Challenging. 
But let's not forget we have not a high priest who has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Don't think for one second that you are bigger than Jesus. None of us are. Not one person in here. Everything that he went through, everything he's still going through. Now, it's conquered, but don't think for one second that he still isn't pained by what he sees down here. I'm sure he is. Look at my children. Look at all of them. Right? That's even overseas. What does that mean when you have someone, you know, that I guess you can say represents a group like ISIS? All right? And they come into a place, and a lot of people think, oh, well, we can just pull out a bunch of guns and bomb a place and stuff. But let me tell you something, folks. You cannot bomb a spirit. You cannot. The only thing you're going to do is make that bad boy bigger. That is it. I'm not saying don't defend yourself. I'm not saying don't protect your family. What I am saying is our mentality is if I can just kill it and cut it off, then it'll just be okay. Right? That spirit says, thank you. You just gave me fuel for 12 more generations because now these children who were innocent over here just saw what you did and now they hate you and now I've taken in that same love they've had. I've quenched that thing and now they are filled with hate. Filled with hate. It's not so much an issue, folks, of just what you see. It's an issue of the what? The heart. Right? What's different? The foundation of somebody who represents the Klan is the same foundation as someone who represents ISIS or any other kind of extremism like that. It's an issue not just of intolerance. It's an issue of hate. It's an issue of the heart. And that is not something that you can beat with your fist. And we try to. We try. Right? That does not mean that things aren't happening that we have to address. But what I am saying is this. You can have all the conversations in the world, but if your heart's not in the right place, you're not going to get anywhere far. You can have all the conversations in the world. Let's talk about this. Let's do this. Let's get out and let's be pro this or that. Right? But if your heart is messed up, if you have not checked your heart in with God first, I promise you, I don't guarantee you, I promise you, you will only get but so far, and then something's going to trigger, and you're going to say, you know what? I knew this was a waste of time. Forget it. Let's just let it all go. We can put as many policies as we want. We can employ as many people as we want. We can get as many people out of certain neighborhoods, and we can do this and that. But until you deal with the issue of the heart, some of those things will not change. You still follow me? All right. So, Psalms. Uh, 51 and 10. It's really common. David said, <clears throat> Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, I'll tell you another quick story. It's really interesting. On the flip side of it, <clears throat> the N-word I can deal with. The uh, monkey this, monkey that, you know, I can deal with that, right? Now, here's the one where I had to double, triple, quadruple check myself. I was on MLK, and I went into a neighborhood that I wasn't terribly unfamiliar with, right? And my heart, to be honest with you, I'm like, all right, I'm a black officer. You know, I'm in the uniform and stuff. There's been a lot of issues in this community. I'm going to go in here, and we're going to save this whole thing, and we're going to turn things around, and we're going to help them understand that, that my white brothers aren't, aren't the devil and that everybody over here isn't selling drugs and this and that. And I'm just, I had all these little fantasies in my mind about what I was about to do. I was going to change the whole world, right, in just two seconds. And I went prancing in there, and the first thing I heard, anybody? 
you sell out Uncle Tom. Beep, 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 beep. I said, okay. Now, the N-word, Lord, I was good. I checked in with you. This one, I said, I'm just going to ease on over here on this curtain, and we're going to have a conversation real fast. <laughs> this isn't about to be a come to Jesus meeting. This is about to be a, a me and you meeting right now, right? Because my heart, isn't that interesting? You ever done that before? You ever had your heart so set, like Pastor Steve was talking about, you're coming to church and all you want to do is just get to God. You want to be there. Your heart's in the right place. You centered up. You prayed. You fasted. And you're ready to roll. And you get in there and then, and down you go. And that's how it was for me. I went in and I was thinking all these grandiose ideas. I was like, I'm going to do this and we're going to bridge this and that. And, just, and what I failed to realize was, that, yes, there are certain things that had happened in certain communities for, before I got there, right, that had nothing to do with me, that painted certain pictures of certain people based on responses and different things that had happened. It's not sugarcoating or pushing aside the fact that this or that may have happened, but what I didn't realize was there was still a spiritual issue there. So then it wasn't so much a matter of hate, it was a matter of unforgiveness, which transitions into a spirit of hate if you're not careful, Right? So I was like, hey, brother, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm Officer Wilson, I'm new over here, I want to help you, this and that, and you know, what do you need? And he said, man, you Uncle Tom sell out, man, get out of my face. And I said, oh, Jesus. I said, Lord, now the other ones I'm good with, I said, but this brother right here just called me a sellout. I said, now, he wanted them fighting words where I come from. I said, you want to fight me? I said, we will roll it up in straight fisticuffs all day long, you know, let's go for it. And I, I literally actually had to walk away to thine own self be true. You better figure it out. I said, you know what? I know. Let me be honest. If I stay here and he says this again, this ain't like a domestic call, Lord. I said, you know, he's still working on me in a couple of areas. This is a trigger that is unfamiliar. I'm unfamiliar with this one. So let me just walk completely away because I know that I'm about to respond to this man and he's not ready for what's coming. I'll take all this stuff off, and then we can <laughs> figure it all out. No unfair advantage, brothers, me and you, right? But, and it's funny because I end up going back, and I met that guy at a time later on, and I don't know what was going on in his life or what was happening, but we kind of fixed that, you know. But, and that's a matter of reconciliation, which is a whole different ballgame. But for the sake of right now, in that moment, and this is what I want you to understand, I defaulted to my feelings, and I kicked out my faith. On the other time, I went straight to my faith and I bypassed my feelings, right? Not saying that your feelings aren't significant, not saying your feelings don't have a place, but you cannot live based off of your feelings because your feelings change in the blink of an eye, right? I could toss this bottle at somebody and accidentally or intentionally hit you and your feelings about me are going to change, Either he's trying to prove a biblical point or he just threw that bottle at me. He hit me with that bottle. Okay, we've got to forget this, right? Your feelings just changed all of a sudden. And now, oh, wow, that's a really nice guy. I can't stand that man. He come back in here again. It's going to be me and him, right? Isn't it funny how things change so fast? But how can we, 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 we so often live, you know, like I said, wearing our feelings on our sleeves, as people say, the moment somebody flicks that thing. Again, it's not to say be quiet. It's to be what? calculated. You still with me? All right, we're almost done. So, like I said, you can't just go in and say, I'm just going to have a conversation. I wouldn't recommend it, rather. You can do it, and if it works, let me know what happened, how long you prayed and fasted, 40 days, 40 nights on the mountain. If it works, 
you know? I'm just going to have a conversation with somebody from the clan. Come here, brother. Let's talk about this thing. Really? Okay. Well, hey, you know what? You be led by the Lord. You walk in there if you want to. You know, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, somebody that wants you to be in there. So a lot of people want the results, right? They want the results of reconciliation. They want the, they want the results of this, this very, um, I won't say a, a fantasy thing because it's something that I believe will happen. But how, how many of us understand that when you really look in the Bible, folks, um, things are going to get better before they get, I mean, they're going to get worse before they get better, right? A lot worse before they get better. And I don't want us to think for one second that, you know, God does not want us to appreciate and love one another. Because even in issues of like racial reconciliation, those are matters of the heart, which I do believe that God wants to do. I believe he wants because he said, I'm coming for, for one church, not 75 different churches. That's my issue with race. I don't think God's going to have some checklist that says, hey, I'd like all my black folks over here, all my Asian folks over here. All my, I don't think he's going to do that. He's going to say, where is my church, period, right? If there's no issue for God there, then why is it an issue for us? It's a matter of the heart. You still with me? Okay. So why do I say go in, you know, if you want to destroy yourself, but rather go up and talk to God instead? I'm going to jump down. And it says, because in Ephesians 6 and 12, like I said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present dark, and against the spiritual forces. Let me back up. It says against the world forces, the world, not the Greensboro, not the Guilford County, not the North Carolina, not the, not the United States, the world forces, right? The world forces of this present darkness, however it may be, against the spiritual forces, that's opposition, folks, of wickedness in the heavenly, which is a supernatural places. This is what we have to go back to. Do what you know you should do, which is John chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him or her through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent, that means full-hearted, loving, generous God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must, he must, say must. He must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help, right? For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all. Good Lord, I was asking God if you could help me. I didn't give me anything at all. Can I give him a wind back? Can I breathe? You know, he said, you won't receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all of your ways. So when you find yourself challenged, folks, you got to understand that you got to go. Um, you got to go up. You can't just go in. And I could tell you a hundred more stories about how I've dealt with race and this and that, but the, the reality of it is um, we've had social issues for as long as mankind has been on the face of the earth. I can go back to Genesis and show you that. I mean, my goodness. Or even look at the New Testament. Look at the Samaritan woman, you know, or just the, 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 good, the good Samaritan for that. People think that's just a, a coin phrase. It's not. It's the good Samaritan, right? 
and you got somebody laying on the side of the road hurt, and, well, wait, 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 this person's not supposed to help me because we don't belong to the same race, right? And yet and still, he bypassed that and said, no, 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 I see a person here who was hurting, and you need love, not classification, right? This is why, because when you are looking for retaliation, when you're just trying to get back at somebody for something, when you're just looking at saying, oh, well, you don't like me, I don't like you, retaliation is very temporary, but revelation is eternal, right? If God gives you something, you can hold on to that thing and you can bet your money. He said, my word never changes. My word's eternal. So instead of just jumping out on the bandwagon of this or that, not negating the fact that things might be happening, things are happening, in fact. But my point is, if you don't have a pure and a clean heart first, does that make sense? It's only but so far that you will be able to go. You can put a billion policies out there if you want to. You are wasting your, the devil is laughing at you. Oh, wow, they really think they're going to put this thing out just by, you know, putting a new policy in order. Really? Oh, okay. Well, next time I have a broken leg, I'm just making a new policy about it. It's not going to heal anything at all, right? It's a completely different issue. So I want to give you an example, and I love digging into the Bible when, I, when I'm looking at, like, Old Testament stuff, but this one's New Testament, so I love it. I like details with things. Anybody else like details when you look at the Bible? I like reading stories about David and stuff, and just uh, he jumped in the pit with a lion, his, one of his buddies did. I'm like, he jumped in the pit with a lion for what? But just the fact you did it. I'm like, oof. Anyway, so we're looking at Matthew 26. This, this is my last scripture, and we're going we're gonna to close it out completely. Matthew 26, verse 51 through 54. And the reason I'm reading this is because I noticed a trend with Jesus, folks, is that you got to understand that he was dealing with a lot of cultural issues, Right? Yet a lot of people that wanted him to be a certain way, right? As a matter of fact, some of the people were mad and angry with him because he wasn't this forceful king coming in to take over and save the Jews and, you know, say, and he wasn't coming to do everything that they wanted him to do. So don't be thrown off if, if, if when, actually you can expect it, when you go in to ask God, okay, Lord, this just happened. It triggered something. I want to respond. I feel it's unjust. I feel it's not right. There's an issue here. What do I do? Don't be surprised if he gives you a very unorthodox answer, right? That's all that Jesus was about. He was about flipping things over. People like, oh, he's clearly going to come in and just save the day and just wipe out this and that. He didn't do that. They plucked the beards. I mean, they plucked every hair from, from his chin. You ever had a hangnail or something like that? Or I had a piece of hair, you plucked it out. You know, imagine someone plucking at a full beard. You know the culture overseas. Think about a full beard and somebody plucks every hair. How much pain that is, right? Don't even get me started on the, on the crucifixion. I can go into a whole different ballgame with this, the, from what we understand, the pain that he went through, right? But this is what he did. This is when he was in the garden. It's because every time Jesus had a conflict, he went up. He didn't go in. This is God himself in man's form. So if Jesus turned up to God and not inward, surely we should do the same. Wouldn't you agree? Particularly if we call ourselves believers. Oh, but this happened over here and this is just wrong. I get that. I hear you. I'm not saying don't address it. But what I am saying is go to him first so you don't do something reckless 
because there may be somebody in that crowd that God says, hey, I want them to see how you respond to this. I'm going to give you a certain word for them so that when you go out and they see this thing, they will know that this man right here, this woman right here, they're standing in the middle of a hurricane and I don't understand how. And you might be walking one day or running. (laughs) I love it, dude. Get it. Right? And you see that person, they say, listen, I was, I was with you on this day or that day. I saw that this or that was happening. And I just had to know, how is it that you didn't respond this way? Why didn't you do this or that? Oh, well, do you really want to know? Yeah. Well, I've been praying about this thing first. Right? Oh, don't think I wasn't angry about this or that. Don't think that I didn't want to respond or do this and that. But my faith was bigger than my feelings. And Jesus did that time and time again. When John was beheaded, they came and gave him bad news. And he, he went up, he said, you know what? Everybody get over here and I'm gonna go away. He says, he, he retreat, he went, back, went back into the mountain and he prayed, right? The crowds are pushing on him, pushing on him, trying to get more and get more. And he pulled back and he prayed. He got into the presence instead of getting into that pain of everything. Because if he dwelled in that thing, You think for one second that Jesus couldn't respond and shut this whole thing down? And that's what we're about to read about. Matthew 26, 51 through 54, 51, 54 rather. And one of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew his sword. This is when they came for him in the garden. All right, bear with me. We're super seriously almost done. One of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew his sword, was Peter, and struck Malchus, the slave of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Now, Peter did what most people want to do when they see something that seems wrong. Pull out your sword and respond. Boom. Right? That's normal. Wouldn't you say it's pretty normal? Somebody pushes your kid down, even if they're a kid. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Jesus. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. He's five years old. I almost, threw, almost kicked him over the balcony just now. I'm sorry, little boy. Come here. Let me give you a hug. Right? Why? There's love there. There's a relationship there. There's something going on there, right? You just touch, you just touch the, whoa, you don't do that. Listen, you can say something about me, but don't touch my kids, you know, right? So Peter saw Jesus, whom he loved, and he believed he had to defend. Isn't that funny? We think we can defend God. Hmm. Right? Cut off Malchus's ear, and then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all those who habitually draw the sword will die by the sword. This is the point that I want you to understand, folks, because this is when Jesus turned the tables. And you have to understand the restraint that he had because he was already filled with the Holy Spirit when they came in. He'd been in the garden. He was weeping. Blood was coming from him. He knew what was coming. He'd already taken on the sin of the world. It was super, super bad, right? And they come in. Talk about not just restraint, but, but having a connection with God right here. He says that, do you think I cannot appeal to my father and he will immediately provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? This is where we're about to go deep and I'm about to blow a couple of people's minds. Just go ahead and get ready. I'll get your band-aids in a second. How then will the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? So a legion in the Roman days was three to 6,000. Okay, three to 6,000 soldiers strong. I believe that Jesus communicates in a way that people can understand him. So when he said, I've got 12 legions, he was communicating in a way that they could understand how many he was talking about. Remember Mark chapter five, verse nine, the demon possessed man. He said, who are you? 
Remember what he said? We are legion for we are many. That man had almost 6,000 demons inside of him, you all. 6,000. I'm complaining about a cold, right? Look what would have happened had Jesus not had the, the spiritual connection. Had he not gone up, had he gone inward or out, this is what would have happened. Twelve legions, he said, right? How many? Twelve. One legion counts for 6,000 warring angels. Remember that. Twelve legions times 6,000 is 72,000 angels. Angry. Literally like, oh, they just touched Jesus. What? Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, all right, can we go? Go. And we're down. 72,000 angels. In the book of Isaiah, we're talking about power here, right? The book of Isaiah, chapter 37, verse 36 says, one angel, demo- one angel demolished 185,000 men in one night. Just one. 185,000 men, one angel shut down by himself in one single night. Here we go. Here's your math. The combined power of one legion of angels, had they come down, had Jesus not gone up, but had he gone in or responded out, he would have called on those 12, those 12 legions of angels. Just one legion had the power, based on the power of that one angel that we are used for an example, to shut down 1,110,000,000 men. Right? Just one. How many legions did he have that he said? Right. Love it. High five it. Bring it in. Boom. He said, don't you know I have more than 12? So let's just say for for sake, he had 12. The combined power, you all, of 12 legions of angels, right? Multiply it by 185,000. That gives you 13,320 million. I'll repeat it for you. 13,320 million people. That's almost twice the human population today. This whole thing would have been shut down. Had Jesus just went out instead of going up, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Had he just flinched instead and went and retracted back to his feelings instead of his faith in God, that God was keeping him, 13,320,000,000 angels would have descended on the earth. And you better believe they were not coming to give out hugs and pacifiers. No. Game over. So Jesus had positioned his heart to move only at the will of God, right? Not the will of his emotions. He was calculated. And the strike that he dealt based on the revelation he received from God will last into eternity. That's why I said retaliation is temporary, revelation is eternal. Don't be quiet, be what? Calculated. So again, in the face of adversity, don't default to your feelings or become accountable to yourself. Because when you do, you excuse yourself from your actions. Instead, find your way into the presence of God. Be honest with him. He's not afraid of your honesty, folks. In doing so, he will give you understanding and send you out armed with a catastrophic counterattack that will do more damage than the fish you could ever do. More damage will be done by revelation from God than your fist could ever do, right? So don't be quiet, be calculated. Thank you for your time.
Thank you, Kenny, so much. That's, uh, that's not a little bluegill fish that, that he's talking about. You eat and spit out the bones. That's like a, a marlin that you get to chew on for a while, and there's some bones to spit out. But, you know, there's, there's a lot that's there, and, and hopefully you'll chew on it. And, you know, um, you know what I was thinking about is, as you were sharing about being calculated and all, it's just the Moses, not the Moses, but Moses. And, and what Moses did is as he went into the tent of meeting, day after day after day, and he spent time in the tent of meeting because he had this nation of Israel to deal with and, and you know, how easy it would have been to get into the flesh and, and based on feelings, but he was trying to get God's heart then to go out and lead. And, and obviously Moses got in the flesh and, and based on his feelings many times, but, but God redeemed that and, and God was quick to forgive. So there's a good balance that is there. And so take it and, and just go before the Lord and, and, and chew on it. Uh, chew on the fish and, and spit out what needs to be spit out. But, but you know, I think that's a great, a great word. Be calculated in the way that we respond, the way that we love, and the way that things swell up in us. There's a reason that we have these feelings. Um, and there's a reason God's given us a chance to react. But, you know, let's go to God and then let's, let's step out horizontally. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for what you've done. As we worship you, I know our worship closes in some ways <clears throat> corporately, but, but as we go out into this world, let us continue to worship you in, in the ways that <clears throat> um, we work, the way that we recreate, the ways that, that we come across with our attitudes and the way we express our thoughts and feelings. Lord, Lord, we just give you praise and thank, thank you so much for Kenny being here, Lord, and speaking through him. We bless him and his wife and his family. Thank you for the other guests that are here as well, Lord. It's a blessing upon them. Thank you for bringing them here. But thank you for bringing all of us here, Lord, and we just give you praise and honor. So as we go out into this world, let us be your light, let us be your, your instruments, let us be your ambassadors um, to reconcile this world to you, and let us be reconciled to each other as well. And we just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are dismissed. Our